Welcome to Affording College with Aaron Green, founder and president of College Liftoff. All right, thanks, Deep Throat Guy. So welcome to Affording College. I'm Aaron Green, host of Affording College and founder of College Liftoff. College Liftoff is a college planning firm I started to provide solutions for anybody and everybody that's going through college planning or has college planning needs. Our mission is to secure teens' brightest future and save them and their families thousands of dollars in the process. We work with teens throughout the entire college planning process, starting with personalized one-on-one career development work. From there, we find the best schools to match our students' chosen career paths and interests, then offer support throughout the entire admissions process. Next, we work with families' budgets to find the price that makes the most sense for their kids' education, all while ensuring it's the right fit. Today, we are Ohio's premier college planning firm. I'm happy to say that, and we're shooting for the world, by the way. And we strive to save time, stress, and money when it comes to your child's higher education. So that's a little background on myself and College Liftoff and why I do this podcast. I really want to offer families some solid advice when it comes to planning for college and higher education, because there's so much misinformation out there. The purpose of this podcast is to dispel the myths and misinformation and really help families. So every so often we get questions from the audience through our website and through Facebook and Twitter, anything like that. Uh, just asking questions about college and just anything on your mind that you may want answered. And we'd love to answer them. Um, so I'm sitting here with Alex and Paige. And uh, Alex typically sees these questions first. So we thought we'd bring some to the table and just be able to answer answer some through this podcast. Yeah, this summer we have seen a lot of questions. So thank you for submitting. Um, but one of the questions... Um, that we've seen most as of late, as the summer is winding down, it, uh, are actually from um, the parents of students that are college bound. So recently, we've been seeing a lot of questions uh, from parents uh, saying, you know, hey, my kid is already committed to college. They're going in the fall. How do we get more money now? Yeah. Okay, so this is this is a harder topic to tackle because the truth is there's no good answer. Uh, It's again, as I've talked about in all past podcasts of how this process is alike into a house. Think of the concept of you bought a house and you see something that happened or something went wrong or nothing. And you just were like, you know what? I think I want more money off of this. Yeah, that's not going to fly. That's not going to happen. You've already bought the house. You've already you've already gone through closing. You've already done all that. There's no reason for the seller at all at that point to go back and give you anything else. Uh, I really want to make sure that people understand what they're doing when they when they buy college. You're buying college, and I mean that. I want you to understand that that is the full aspect of this. You've gone to the school. You've picked it. This isn't something that it's not. It, it's schools are nonprofits, and Autistically, they do their best, but they're in business to be in business tomorrow. And in that same vein, they're not going to give you really anything else. You've already bought them based off of the deal that you've already agreed to, which is the financial aid package that you accepted when you signed on the dotted line to come to that school. There is potentiality for more scholarships through other methods. And now, mind you, these are small. These are not going to, by any measure, cover tuition, cover room and board for the vast majority of schools. You're looking at things that, you know, maybe two or three thousand dollars here from your department as you go further on into school, because in your department, whatever you're going to school for, um, as you 
gradually get older, meaning as you get into your sophomore, especially junior, especially senior year, and you're a student in that specific department with that degree, you're more dedicated to that major. So the the, the individual departments or uh, colleges like the College of Engineering is more willing to give you money to help you with your education because now you're a full-fledged engineering student versus if you're an incoming freshman, 50% of incoming majors change their, 50% of incoming freshmen change their majors. But in the whole aspect of it, the majority of money you get for college comes through admissions. So when you apply to a school, you do the FAFSA, you do all the things, you start getting financial aid offers. And this is why I, I really encourage you guys as an audience, pay attention to the financial aspects just as much as you do to the other ends, whether it be the academic, the fit pieces, the financials, just as important because we run into these situations all the time where you have to see what the financial aid package looks like before you sign on the dotted line for the school. Again, house comparison. You're not going to go buy a house without seeing the price tag. You're not going to go out there and just say, ah, give me that one. And now all of a sudden it's an $800,000 house with a $4,000 mortgage per month, and your last home was $250,000. That's not going to happen. You have to do this in the same way. The system, the situation is set up that you can do it that way, though, that a kid falls in love with a school, you go visit it, you apply, you get in by by Halloween or by uh, Christmas. You say yes on January first. Your financial aid package won't show up until April, but you're stuck. And especially if you go through early decision, you're really stuck. So you have to do your financial due diligence at the beginning. There's really not a good method or way to make up for it down the road. And my page, I'm, I'm just raining here, I guess. But what what are your thoughts? I mean, honestly, other than um, submitting like special circumstances, so say. You've said, yes, it was April. We've all agreed this is the package that we're getting. I'm off to college you in the fall. And then there's special circumstances, maybe a, a, an illness or a job loss or something. You could submit and ask for um, some additional accommodation. But other than that, I think you really just need to look forward to the next FAFSA, which is, again, October 1st. The new FAFSA will open. You'll you'll fill out FAFSA again for your next year of school. Um, you can try to look for additional monies. You can indicate a change in circumstance or, um, you know, you can do more of the work to look for additional scholarships and things like that. But I, honestly, by the time we get to August, it is really too late to do much of anything to change your financial outcome. By the time you get to May, it's too late, honestly. Yeah. If, if you have a financial situation that has abruptly changed, then you do absolutely submit the, the, it's called the special circumstances form that goes to the financial aid departments right there on that spot. If something abruptly happens, if you knew that this job loss was a thing six months before, you need to submit that special circumstances form six months before when you submit that application. So that way that can be written into your financial aid package going forward and you can still check on it then. That's why it's, it's so important to govern this process with logic and thought and reason not emotion, not strictly emotion. Um, I know your kid wants to go to school X, are you? And, and I, I know that this place is beautiful and your parents, or whatever the reasons are that we sometimes choose schools emotionally, we, we've got to take a bigger step back because they're asking for an annual salary out of you. They really are. And over four years, that's a house that you've just bought. That's why I compare it so often to that. So you have to be really on top of that. Again, the, the things you can do, they're small. They may make a difference on a small scale. I mean, I'm talking factors of 5%, 10% of what your cost structure are. Um, 
Fill out your special circumstances form if you need it. I always do the FAFSA, but you know from the previous year if that's going to make a difference or not anyway. Um, and go to your departments within the school and try to see if they can apply and get something for you as well. If it's too much of a heavy burden, um, the truth is, and again, this is coming from an honest perspective, you really may have to consider swapping schools. That really may be your next next bet. And community colleges are wonderful tools, tools to be able to kind of reduce costs and do the same coursework in order to get back to that same university to finish out your degree set. In the end, it's all about where you finish your degree. It's not where you started. <laughs> Honestly, True. you could start it anywhere. Exactly. What about a gap year? Sometimes a gap year is helpful. Sometimes, I, I feel that most people use a gap year, at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Paige, because you hear, we hear different things from different people and it's all over the place. I hear a lot of people say, oh, go use a gap year to figure out what you want to do. That doesn't teach you what you want to do. But what about a gap year to, in order to address this financial oh, no, issue? No, no, no. Yeah. So the problem is for the gap year, is that in order to do a gap year effectively, you have to do the exact same process in your seniors that everybody else does. So you still have to apply and you still have to do all the financial things. You should be doing that at the beginning anyway. And then once you get your deal set with that school, then you tell the school, I'm taking a gap year, right. hold my package. Right. That's the way it's effectively done. If you decide to delay applying to a school, that's different. If you decide to delay applying until the next year, the truth is your marketability is vastly deteriorated. Right. So what about these families, though, who are saying, can you help us? Like, it's we're getting ready to send our kid off to school, and we're, we figured out that we're short. Does a gap year make sense while they kind of figure things out? I mean, I know a lot of our families might say, not a lot, but families might say, well, you know, he or she could work for that right. year, put some money away. Yeah. And then, I mean, does that make sense for our kids? Well, if they, we be I, I think there's a lot of things that have to, like a big list of, check, of checks that we have to go through of yes and no's. One, is their financial aid package secure that uh, actually be held for the next year where if we actually go make more money, this will help and we can shorten our time there. I think that's one thing. Because um, that might not be the case, you're saying? Yeah, it might not okay. be the case. Um, it, they may say, well, if you didn't show up, then gone. Yeah. Um, so you have to see what's going on there. Um, I wouldn't per se do a gap year. I would really, if the gap year is a thing for time and money, I would go work and go to community college, to be honest with you, because this is an easy math problem in this sense. English 101. Every freshman is basically going to take a version of it. It's usually a three to five credit hour at a private school in this country, uh, on average, that per credit hour cost is $1,300. At a state school, when you live on campus, it's $660. Again, multiply that by three or five credit hours in both cases. At a community college, it's about $110. So, and it's the same class. And it's the same class. It'll transfer backwards and forwards between all those options. And honestly, at a community college, you are more likely to have it with a professor than at a larger school sometimes. Yeah, so, smaller courses. I know all of my courses, like all of my gen eds, were taught typically by graduate students, so, right. which mm -hmm. is great. I got some great experiences that way, too. But, you know, I mean, I, I think it was really helpful that I took a chemistry class with a chemistry professor who had been teaching chemistry for a really, really long time when yeah. I took it during the summer at the community college. So. Yeah, and you're 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 degreed in education, so chemistry wasn't really a part of your degree set, so you didn't no, need again. it, right? So no. per se, <laughs> but you had to fulfill it as a credit, so that makes it even better. So truthfully, the math works almost better if the kid doesn't work and just goes to community college, because the truth is you're going to be more cost effective 
by knocking out the coursework on the cheaper versus making more money to go. Right. So keep these things in mind. I think these are some things that we may want to think about. I know they're not popular, but at the same time, these if you're in that position, this is these are kind of the options that are left on the table. I mean, if I was looking down the barrel of too much debt for my kid to go off to dream school, number one, I mean, it's something that we would talk about really seriously. So I just can't even imagine. Speaking of somebody who did just pay my student loans off this weekend, <laughs> after 20, 20 years after my husband finished graduate school. Wow. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> it was a big day. It was kind of like burning a mortgage, which oh. I've heard is equally really fun, <laughs> so, but it hasn't happened yet. But yeah, no, I can't even imagine deciding, well, we'll figure it out or we'll just, we'll deal with the debt this year and oh. we'll try to, we'll try to right. make it better next year. Mm-hmm. You're just setting yourself up for a really long, painful road. And I want to acknowledge, too, that, you know, nobody tells parents this in advance. You know, nobody nobody is here. Well, that's why we're here. (laughs) That's why we we exist, really, to help guide parents and students through this process, because nobody else. A university is not going to tell you to, you know, have all like your financial situation really figured out before you accept they just want your money. You know, nobody nobody at your kid's high school is telling you this. Probably not, right? No, 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 no. Because it, it's funny where, and this is a little sidetracky, but it'll make more sense for that comment. The majority of clients we get come from almost financial advisors because of the reason that you just stated. Right. The question is pain, pain points, right? Who actually feels the pain points? Guidance counselors really don't feel it because once your kid is done with their senior year of high school, they're done. It's over. Like they move on to the next step. Um, the parents don't fully, in most cases, grasp as we're talking about the financial where. Uh, difficulties of this. Interestingly, it's the financial advising world where they're seeing parents liquidating retirement assets to send kids to school are feeling the real brunt of this pain. And they're seeing what the financial implications of this thing looks like long term. So they come to us and say, help us with our families figure this out because we can't have them liquidate $200,000 per kid and they got three kids. Mm-hmm. Their, their retirement is gone if they do that. So we work with and say, okay, well, the truth is you should be spending $40,000 in total for this education based off of the value of the degree, based off of the work we've done. We set it, we negotiate it, we do all the things we need to in order to make that work before. And it's done. And now we've saved $160,000 per kit. And that's a doable thing, but that's why you have to do that stuff well before. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. And, and that's why we have this podcast, to, yeah. to try and help people, because there really aren't enough advocates for parents out there. Yeah. And yeah, I keep saying it, but it's true. Schools are in business to be in business tomorrow. And they do a lot of things that I don't particularly love in the financial way of this. And we could have kids at 17 or 18 sign off on more debt than your house is worth with a swipe of a signature and a blink of an eye when the truth is it takes, what, 40 signed documents and three witnesses to get a mortgage in this country? It does. So... What are we talking about here? Is somebody at some point going to wake up to this and be like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we're doing this and strapping our kids to this type of responsibility when nobody really knows what's going on? That's why we're trying to blow this out there and say, like, ah, this is this is what's happening with this, folks. Right. Or parents. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's one thing when we talk we talk a lot about student loan debt and for the students, but parents take on debt just as quickly. And the terms are usually less friendly, right? Yeah. There's the the interest rate is usually higher or they they do things like pilfer their own retirement or take the equity out of their house or borrow from, 
you know, a relative with the assumption that they're going to pay back. But there is a huge cost. And it, I get it. Like in in hanging out with other parents, there is a lot of pressure to be able to say, yeah, I'm sending my kid to a great school. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, like everybody else on the street has their kid's banner out on the front lawn. And I think people feel a little anxious about it. But that's one of the reasons I like what we do, because A, we're going to help you manage your cost. But two, we're going to make sure that you feel really good about the school that you are going to because it's the right school for you. And we can find you the right school, whether you want to go spend um, close to $80,000 at um, Chicago right now. It's like they just went to just just beneath the 80 mark. That was big news last week. Um, Or you decide that you're going to go to an in-state school that offers you the kind of great programming and terrific merit-based aid that will make it possible for you to get a great education at a reasonable price. Or even yeah. a small private school that'll do the same thing. Yeah. Um, honestly, and, and I and totally wholeheartedly mean this, go listen to our rest of our podcast because we talk in depth about how that is the, the linchpin, finding the right school for the right person on all those pieces. Because these are the situations we don't want you to end up in, where you're kind of feeling like you've been over a barrel in the sense of, you know, well, Johnny just loves it there. And now we have to go live in an apartment, which I say that we know situations where that's happened, where they've decided to give up well more than they should in order to make Johnny or Jessica really happy about their college choice. And we have a, this is a part of the bigger construct for a problem that we have in our wonderful society of just delayed gratification about things. Sometimes you just got to be patient, you know? Yeah, you really want to go to Duke. Duke is $75,000 a year. Maybe you go for two years, not four. You know what I mean? Or graduate school. Or graduate school. Where they help you pay for it. Exactly. There are plenty of ways to get there. It may not be the best to go there tomorrow. You just have to look at it and see what's going on. I know, you know, it's it's like we've turned it into Disney World. Like, you've got to be there. Oh, my gosh, you're going to pay anything. But really, this is more expensive than we really want to recognize. And if we don't, it's the, the it's I can't even describe how bad it's going to be for their financial future. Right. Not to besmirch Duke or Chicago or any of the other terrific schools, but no, just it's got to be the best fit for your family. Yeah. So yeah. buying a house, make sure you use all the right mm-hmm. tools for it. Make sure you buy it logically. Make sure you buy it with reason. Um, and then, of course, make sure you're happy there. But it's got to all those things have to be met in order to make sure it's the right choice. So as always, listeners, feel free to submit your questions to hello at collegeliftoff.com or you can visit our website and write to us through our website. Our website is collegeliftoff.com. College Liftoff can help empower you to make college affordable for your student. If you want to learn more about your options, Aaron will be responding directly to your emails. Email him a question at aaron at collegeliftoff.com. Thanks for listening to Affording College with Erin Green of College Liftoff. If you'd like more information, visit collegeliftoff.com.